Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. This is RS1. Is RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Hello everybody and welcome along to a very special moment here on the Radio Show Limited Network of channels. RS3 and RS1 in simulcast at the moment. Uh, we are getting ready for the return of full metal, real life, full-size, multi-class endurance racing. It's time to start those engines, put those rubber tyres back on the track and go racing in 2020. After the big pause, the long yellow flag, call it what you will, the Hankook 24-hour series at Portimao is about to get things back underway. Joining me... Uh, here in our global broadcast booth is Nick Damon. Good afternoon, good evening, I suppose. Just after five o'clock in the UK and in Portugal. And this is a day it felt for, in some respects, uh, Nick would never come. Yes, yeah, a great day for all of us who love motorsport and love to see cars going around tracks because we're going to finally see some competitive racing. It's qualifying for the uh, 24 hours of Portimao, but it is our chance to actually see cars going around for what, the first time since uh, sort of second week of March, I would think. The Corentic Series should have been kicking off the European season with their Monza uh, event on that weekend of March, just before the clocks uh, sprung forward. Uh, however, that, as we all know, did not happen. Although we will be at Monza in, what, a couple or three weeks' time uh, for that rearranged event. In between times, we've been thoroughly enjoying our virtual and sim racing competition, of which uh, even the Creventic team have got involved as well. Uh, and, in fact, you competed in the 12 hours I, of I, I am now a, a genuine Creventic competitor without ever leaving my son's bedroom, which is where the, the rig is set up. <laughs> the fact that you felt the need to mention that is uh, a bit a bit worrying. Uh, we have a small but perfectly formed field. We thought we might get somewhere near 20. Been a couple of uh, withdrawals in the last couple of days, bizarrely, by one of the Portuguese teams who didn't even have to cross a border uh, to get there. Um, we've got GT3s, uh, 991 Cup class, some GT4s and some Caymans, and, of course, the TCRs. And if I could start with the TCRs, which is probably... It is the most numerate, and it's probably the likely to be the most closely fought of those classes, Nick. Yeah, the TCR class, realistically, is, is, is kind of like only two cars off you get for a pretty much normal Creventic event. We've got six cars. Um, they're all of a very high quality, including the uh, the current reigning Creventic champions, uh, Auto Our Motorsport by Wolfpower Racing, who are therefore the number one. The number one, uh, whereas all the classes will have normally have a number, for example, up to 100 is GT3. The 991s have a 900 prefix, GT4s have a 400 prefix, and the TCRs have a 100 prefix. Whoever is the overall Creventic champion gets to carry one on their car, regardless of the class they're in. So that is Auto Our Motorsport by Wolfpower Racing. Hot 
All got, Swiss. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And there's five Swiss drivers who've, who've made the trip over to the Algarve with the Volkswagen Golf. We have the Red Camel Jordans team, which um, is a Breukers special. It's Luke Breukers, Evo Breukers, and Rick Breukers. So um, Evo, of course, very heavily involved with the Creventi organization. But the Red Camel Jordans, a, a car that's been just about ever present. I think it may have missed one or two races. Uh, over the course of the last 12 years or so. Um, Evo has stepped away sometimes from driving, but the car's been driven by various other friends of his. But he's got a family affair, John, and it's, uh, mm. it's a case of, um, really, I suppose, Rick and Luke will be saying, yeah, don't, don't drive too much, Dad. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The second Okarama car, another Swiss-entered car with a uh, multi-nationality uh, driving team, including Antti Buddy and Kalipeka Laksonen. Uh, the two Scandinavian drivers in there, Yannick Mettler uh, in that as well, Miklas Born and Roberto Ferri uh, is the runners there. The Belgian and Dutch squad, Belgian, Dutch and uh, French squad, Ooh. Italian Berton, Nicolas Bert and Tom Coronel for Come To You Team Audi in the 117. Core, uh, sorry, Code, I'm going to do that all the time because yeah. I just gl- glance at that I, I keep seeing core because we've had so many core racing uh entries in the sim events that's a an old Fre- french team in a volkswagen golf uh we've got the belgian ac motorsport with mainly french drivers there including stefan Paller uh, in another audi rs3 so uh audis to the four with a couple of golfs and a Cupra in there as well. I'm looking forward to this. We've got about just under four minutes before we fire up the video stream and go full audio and video. So if you're listening on RS1 or RS3 at the moment and you have the bandwidth, then by all means go to radio-show.co.uk and you'll see on the front page there is a link. That takes you to the video page. There is uh, live timing and scoring as well. Uh, Just in that last three and a half minutes before we go live and bring the video in as well, to tell you the HTP Winwood Motorsport Phil Ellis a driven car was the fastest in the free practice by round about point, well, half a tenth of a second from the first of the Herbeth Motorsport, which interestingly was the 92 car. Uh, Tim Muller was the last driver in that car. Daniel Alleman uh, in the 91 uh, was another four tenths further back from uh, Mulner Motorsport and Jerome Blakemall, and he was the best of the 991s. Best of the uh, T, the GT4s was the Park. Algar Racing Team, or Parker Algar, as I've been calling it over this Park Algar, the 412 ahead of Pro Sport uh, in the other GT4, that's the Aston Martin Vantage. So a nice mix of Mercedes, Porsches, uh, Mercedes MG GT4s, Astons, and then, of course, the Caymans and the Cup cars before we got into the TCRs. And the best of the TCR was Autorama Antibody as you might have uh, expected. The only car that I see out of out of kilter on that was the Veloso Motorsport Cayman, um, which was sort of towards the bottom. Not sure if they had a problem in that 408 Camariana Pires uh, in that car the last time it went round in the free practice session. And, and obviously, we you know, reliant on the team PRs uh, who are, Distant, socially distant, uh, quite socially distant because it's a a cut-down crew that's over there and a cut-down crew for, I think it's only eight, isn't it, uh, per car, Ole, 
Ollie Dolleman was telling us in Midweek Motorsport. So they may have had a problem, but we'll try and get to that. At RSL Studio, of course, if you want to get in touch with us. Nick, I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's you know it's what we do, isn't it, John? It's uh, you know um, we've been doing it virtually, and now we get to do it for real. Uh, still not at the track, but that's that's fair enough. You know, it, it, that's the, the the new way of the world, and probably the way of the motorsport world for the rest of the calendar year 2020. I would expect, with hopefully the except the ex- exception of um, the rearranged Le Moyne in September. But yeah, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be good to see cars actually pushing and going for it in in full reality as such. But uh, yeah, it's it's, it's yeah, it's got to be a certain frisson, hasn't it, about actually getting to see cars going. Mm. Uh, the well, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I think it's been very brave. We mentioned this on Midweek Motorsport on Wednesday evening. I think it's very brave of the Creventic guys to get this going. Some, there'll be undoubtedly people saying it's too early. Give it another month. It might have been different. Well, I agree with that. But somebody's got to put that toe in the water first. And it is the Hankook 24-hour series that have done that. Well, that's our little preview, if you will, here on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. Stand by for sound and vision. It's the TC, the touring car version of qualifying coming up, the TCE Endurance Series. Coming up to get our coverage underway, it's the Hankook 24-hour series live from Portimao. The Hancock International Endurance Series on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Well, hello everybody and welcome along to the 2020 Hancock 24-hour series. Uh, It's great to be back racing it seems a very long time ago when we were in Dubai for the Hankook 24 hours in January. Uh, an absolutely, well, astounding event, not necessarily for the right reasons. We didn't get that full race. And we move with a little delay, of course, far more than we expected to the 24 hours of Portimao here in mid-June. 4.6 metres, just over uh, 4.6 kilometres, just over the three miles, or round about the three miles, actually, just under. From here, the revised calendar takes us to Monza on the 10th and the 11th of July. The classic high-speed Italian circuit for the 12 hours of Monza. Staying in Europe for our effectively our fourth round, we head to the 24 hours of Barcelona, the circuit to Catalonia in September 2020. The circuit and the event that so many people enjoy. And then we're heading further afield as we go back to Italy for the 12 hours of Imola, just renewed its Formula One track license for another 24 months. We'll be there in early October for the 12 hours of Imola. And one more before we leave the European calendar. And that's an additional event on the 13th and 14th of November. 
the 12 hours of Sandvoort on the North Sea coast, now a Formula One venue itself, of course. The quarter race has been abandoned for this year. So other than Dubai, we're in Europe for the full series and the qualifying for TCE is about to get underway. Nick Damon joins me in our global broadcast centre. Uh, it's, a, it's a somewhat changed, but uh, still really interesting and varied calendar for this year. No flyaways, of course, but uh, some fabulous venues. Yeah, I mean, you've, you're, you're, you're skirting around a selection of Grade 1 circuits. So Monza's Grade 1, Imola's Grade 1, uh, Zambo, of course, now is Grade 1. And, of course, the other thing, you, you, they'll get to run on the new banking as well, which uh, the F1 cars won't be doing this year because that race has been officially uh, cancelled. And then we have um, this traditional shared date with the Royal Automobile Club of Catalonia Club or the Spanish RAC when we share that, that event. RACC, yeah. In September, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, making the best of a difficult situation. They have chosen a massive selection of tracks, and, and having been to to all of them in the past, um, it, it's a sort of a mouthwarming selection to to visit, even if it's only visiting from a distance. Um, apart from the one track which we may go to, which is Zandvoort, which is just going to be really, really cold, John, in November at that time of the year. <laughs> uh, you might be right. You absolutely might be right already. One of the Audis sitting at the end of the pit lane. Uh, and that is... Uh, now, I'm not sure which one of the Audis that is at the uh, at the moment, to be honest. It's as we go green and we have got a car on the track. Uh, it is the 188 car as it comes out the pit lane. So AC that Motorsport. is AC Motorsport. And uh, if you're on the website listening to us now, don't forget we have got live timing and scoring for you as well. The AC team have been one of the leading lights and there's no doubt in my mind that we've got a really big battle to come, Nick, in the TCR category. Very windy at uh, Portimao at the moment. 100,000 capacity at the Algarve International Circuit, or to give it its name, and its, uh, they call it the AIA, the Autodromo Internacional do Algarve, um, but Portimao Circuit works wine, fine. 195 million euros went into that when it was uh, first uh, put together, finished in October 2008. Uh, the, uh, originally, of course, it was built for uh, Formula One and certainly at least testing yeah. uh, along with the Bahrain circuit. Yeah, I mean, the thing you remember, John, is, is, is when it was being designed and put together, Formula One testing in the southern part of Europe was a weekly occurrence. You know, in between the races, they people would go and test, be it Jerez or be it Barcelona or perhaps Harama. And the idea of having another track in, the, in, in fact, probably even better weather conditions in this, in, and down by, in the Algarve. They think, oh, we have no end of F1 teams come and go testing. And then I think two years later, they banned testing. So, you know, it was kind of a, a bit of an unfortunate uh, uh, white elephant on that element. But they have, of course, run a selection of events. We, we were there, I think we came there in 2009, didn't we, John, for the LMS season. 
Uh, it was our first trip. We drove down to Portimao. It's a fantastic facility. At the time, it was still a little bit unfinished. As we jokingly said, they only had one plug for the entire uh, paddock. But in fact, they only had one plug for the entire paddock. Uh, yes, that, that was actually t- true. It was actually uh, true. Unfortunately, uh, it, it it is it was it's slightly sad to see it hasn't had the investment since it was built that it probably should have. If you get a shot of some of the the tribunes, they've not been maintained to the highest level. The circuit itself is absolutely extraordinary. Motorcycles here as well, of course. Lots of blind brows. Um, mm. I, I know that. Uh, it's one of Joe Bradley's favourite circuits, and we've done a couple of laps around there in, in street cars. It is an extraordinary circuit in terms of the the floor, the topography, uh, and the Ray Camel Jordan NL set Cooper out or Cooper, should I say, out on the circuit at the moment. And with any luck, we'll get some uh, timing through uh, as well in a wee moment or two. But the it's it, it, a Breukers in that car. It is a Breukers. It is undoubtedly a Breukers uh, in that car. I'll give you that because it's the Breukers family outing that car this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, you've got, you've got Luke, Evo, Evo, Ivo, and uh, and Rick. Um, you know, we've had a, a kind of a Breukers team meeting as well for the virtual race. That that went well up to the point of about uh, what, four or five hours in when they made a mistake on a changeover. Oh. Nasty bit of uh, uh, correction required there by whoever is driving or whomever is driving. I'm sure it's one of the one of the youngsters in the car at the moment, as they attempt to put that uh, TCR car on pole for a competitive TCR class. And uh, it's actually Rick who's it's, driving. It's Rick that, from Antibury who's in the 112. Stefan Perra is in the 188, and Yannick Metlers on his outlap in the uh, other car out of, out there. Yeah, interesting note, I think, for the, for the weekend is that we don't get a driver update uh, when they leave the pits. We only get the driver update when they actually cross the line. Yeah, so the other thing, be... Sorry, Nick. The other thing that we're going to have to keep an eye on is where the fueling is because I've not been here for a Kravetnik race. I've been here for 1,000K races, but I've not been here for a, for a Kravetnik race. So I'm, I'm not entirely certain of the, the layout of the pits. It was, it, when I was here last, which was two or three years ago, we were, we were in, and it was um, at the pit out, and he kind of he drove. He actually, he actually went through a garage, one of the bottom garages, looped back round past yeah. the uh, the Panther fuel truck, and back in again. So yeah, it was it was a it was a, a pit exit one, which is always actually a little bit more a little bit better because it, well, if you're in the pits, because you don't always see oh. cars coming in, but then when cars come out, you can watch them go down and go, oh yes, that's gone and stopped for fuel, so that's fine. <laughs> so you don't miss that part of the uh, the story. So the sound of engines coming through to us now uh, here in our global broadcast centre. Fantastic to hear the little four-cylinder engines uh, and everything that is uh, out on the circuit at the moment using the same AG, Volkswagen AG engine. Uh, And in fact, all using the same platform as well because the Cupra, the uh, Audi RS3 LMS and indeed the golf all use uh, all use the same basic platform because they use the same basic platform for the street cars as well i, I, I want to call it m mqb or something like that i think in yeah exactly in, in vag parlance 
Uh, and, and of course, uh, they're all put together by Cooper Sports as well. So, uh, although they've got different badges on them, uh, it is Cooper Sports who put all the cars together. And then uh, they're looked after by Audi Customer Racing, uh, by VW Racing. Although I think VW now have uh, pulled away from it. They're Al- still... Audi, and, Audi and VW pulled out, haven't they? They're still Not supporting. Sure. Yeah, they're still supporting yeah. the current customers. I yeah. always thought the Golf actually looked very good indeed. As out goes the one two four, just as we were uh, mentioning, the uh, Golf GTI. One two four is the all French team. Trick alert. Um, and who who's in that? Did you say it? is it Ch- Thierry? Yes, Thierry. Chondali. CHK is a difficult Chondali, I would say that, but you know, I've been wrong in the past. It took me till I was 13 to be able to even spell my name, never mind pronounce it properly. So. <laughs> champion, the Alter Armour by uh, Wolf Racing, and it's the number one car that's got Yannick Mettler in it, and there's a lot of, lot of bits of tape of, uh, of instructions uh, all around the car there. Um, as they fly around that corner, which I think that corner four was Lagos. I mean, it was interesting when you saw the one eight go around a minute ago. But the, the, the inside rear wheel was not rotating at all. It was just locked solid because it's not really doing very much for about 50 metres, actually. So they really are leaning on. They lift up. They waggle the, uh, the rear right due to the uh, cameras of that part of the corner. It doesn't do anything for a while. But that's the famous quote from Martin Haven, of course, is the only reason to have uh, rear wheels in the front-wheel drive car is to keep the exhaust off the ground. If you're just finding us uh, moving over from the YouTube feed onto RS3, it's uh, very much a cut-down crew uh, on the technical side. They're working to restore the commentary to the uh, the commentary to the or to the video player as well. Uh, but here on RS3, it's all good. Uh, and go on, Dick. I just, think, I just realize people know, know, I have to describe it. The amazing thing about Portimao is it is uphill and down dale. It is one of the most um, gradient intensive tracks I've ever driven around. You are at no point really, apart from the main, even at the first half of the main straight is pretty much flat and everything else is downhill or uphill. Often uh, cambered, not the way you'd wish it. It is a fabulous circuit. I know Joe, as you said, is a big fan, but it is a great track, and there's so much you can do with with the, with the driving. And uh, interestingly, uh, no, what we should kind of point out to you at a certain well-known uh, simulation. We've not on iRacing yet, just in case you're listening, <laughs> and they can laser scan it. Now it's Grade One. Yeah, Grade One. Uh, they renewed their Grade One license, and the whole. I think that in the current situation. They might get the opportunity for a running a race behind closed doors. And actually, you know, I'd love to see it, Nick, if I'm honest. I think it'd be fantastic. I think actually F1 cars around here would be, would be amazing. It'd be, it'd be a, a real spectacle. Uh, interestingly, um, the Formula One uh, official website was running a poll about what track that currently doesn't have a Grand Prix would you like to see have a Grand Prix? And it was, I think it was Portimao against uh, Imola, Mugello, and I think Harama, could be a red, and uh, Portimao was winning the, winning the popular vote, and so perhaps that may have some swaying on where they're going to go. Well, Imola's just renewed its circuit, uh, Grade 1 circuit licence for another two years, so they might feel that there's half a chance of them. There's been talk of um, Mugello as well. I, I can't imagine Formula current Formula 1 cars going to Mugello. I could be wrong, but the romantic in me says I would love to see that as well. Um, well, they may not have much choice. Let's be honest, no. Nick. 
Now, these, these are all uh, theoretical dates for, for early October, because the idea is we have this European season already nailed down, which ends the second week of September currently at Monza. Um, they're now thinking they're going to be tripping off. F1 probably, we're talking about here, by the sorry, way. Yeah. They're tripping off to um, Sochi for a couple of races, and they're going to come back to Europe again, uh, sort of end of October, beginning of November. And therefore, somewhere like here, where the weather is much more likely to be uh, clement than, than anywhere else probably in Europe, uh, has the chance to pick up another European race uh, before we, uh, we trip off to the Middle East. But, you know, that's F1. This is, uh, this is Preventic. TCR qualifying. Uh, fastest moment is Rick Broikers in the Red Camels Jordan with a 155. 155.2. Um, he's got six tenths second over the number one car, Autorama Motorsport with Yannick Mettler. Surprisingly, in third place, but only by 600. Uh, Andrew Brody, who always puts in a fantastic qualified performance in that Volkswagen. I think probably, but no, I'm going to put my neck on the line here, John. I think he's had more poles in the 2CR class than anyone else. That's the 112 car that is heading over to the far side of the circuit at the moment. Just a quick note about uh, one or two of the corner names here that you'll hear us calling out. There's, a, there's an interesting mix of just numbers. Uh, and uh, names here. Number one is Primera. We don't use turn two. We go straight to turn three. Turn two is effectively the... At least I think that's what we're doing, uh, Nick. I haven't seen the cars around yeah, there yet, but I think we're using the, the straight run down. Two is normally for yeah. motorbikes. Three is Lagos. Uh, sorry, three is the right-hander before you head up to Lagos. Then through the left-handed kink at turn five over the top of the brow, down to the bottom of the interior hill where the hospitality tower is. That's Torre, VIP. That's turn six. Little kink at seven going up the hill the other way. Then eight, nine at the top of the hill at the farthest side of the circuit. Uh, it comes all the way back on itself is Samsung. Then down through the kink at ten to Craig Jones. And I'll come back to that in a moment. Eleven is sort of a double double pressure corner, double apex corner. It's called Portimao because it's closest pointing towards the town of Portimao. Back down the hill again to 12 and 13. 14 is another long, long, long right-hander. That's Sagres. And then down the hill to the sweeping fast turn 15, which is Galp. Uh, and Craig Jones, named after the British motorcycle rider who rode for the Park Algar Honda team. Park Algar were the people who developed this circuit and also uh, still run uh, motorsport teams, of course. He died, sadly, in August 2008 uh, at Brands Hatch. And although he was a Brit, he spent a lot of time uh, and was based at the time of his death uh, in the Algarve. So the guys at the circuit uh, named us a, a, a corner after him. And there's also a really lovely, I was going to say a statue, it's more like a sculpture uh, on the roundabout entering the facility. It's a motor park with a um, cart circuit and various other facilities here at the uh, uh, Autodromo International do Algarve. And uh, that was a lovely touch by the guys uh, who, as I say, that uh, Craig Jones had uh, ridden for. And I can't believe, actually, I had to look up when Craig was killed at Brands Hatch. I can't believe it was all the way back in 2008. Mm that uh, sadly he lost his life uh, at, uh, at Brands. It seems in some ways to me just like yesterday when we were talking about that. Uh, we have got just on half an hour left. There has been a bit of free practice, Nick. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I mean it's it's they've managed to get themselves um, yeah, up to speed and and run through. They had they had three uh, practice. They also had a, a lot of um, promoted test days as as Kreventic loves to run the previous day. I think they had six hours of running. It's seven hours of running in total. And theoretically, you could have achieved yesterday. Most of them took part. I mean, we've got a number of these cars have got five drivers, so there's quite a lot of rotation to go through. Uh, kind of after this qualifying, of course, we have the GT qualifying, and there's a short break, and they, the cars themselves, will get. Um, uh, the night practice as well, which is you know, there's a kind of a qualified element to that. So, it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's it, yeah, they've managed to get plenty of track time, but they're still, you know, the point about this is you still hurting yourself in. I mean, you haven't done a lot of time at Portimao. There's an awful lot of corners to learn. There's an awful lot of um, nuances of the circuit. Now, what you they, what they the advantage of having this lighter than normal field is you're not going to have to get get too worried about traffic. The disadvantage of that is suddenly the focus becomes on exact on you hitting your marks every single time because you will have a chance to settle down no matter which class you're in and relax and look forward for five minutes rather than constantly looking in your mirrors. And at that point, you then need to know how you're going to go forward in the most efficient way to get the best lap time so you can put your, yourself in contention. This, which is incredibly competitive cars of six high-quality TCR machines. The hello to Kevin Payne, to David Walton, to Chris Suku remembers the race you were mentioning with the Lola Aston Martin said I was the one man around uh, the circuit uh, without a dog on the Prask did no dogs allowed there groundskeeper very uh, particular uh, about that uh, hello to all of you who are tuning in for a little bit of Portuguese sunshine Karen, Carol Brink listening and wavering from Monterey California uh, Yoda's uncle, hopefully you found our commentary on RS3 now at RSL underscore studio. Guy's still working incredibly hard to uh, get the commentary and the onto the video stream. But for the moment, just open another browser and uh, get yourself on with the video of one and the sound on RS3 and RS1. I know Tim Gray's listening in. Are we simulcasting this on RS1? I did say that earlier on. Tim, you can let me know on the, uh, the the Skype chat. Yes, we are. So RS1 and RS3 uh, at the moment. So uh, sometimes a little difficult to find RS3 on your digital uh, radio or online radio. So we are on RS1 for this session. We'll be on RS1 uh, as well for the evening session tomorrow and the run to the finish on Sunday. But we have got some virtual business to do as well tomorrow with Bruce Jones will be joining me for round six of the DNLS at the Nürburgring that's the H&R Dreistunden and whilst Bruce and I are doing that it'll be Nick and Johnny taking you through the build-up and the start of this 24 hours a Hankook 24 hours of Portimao the 101 Cupra resplendent in its bright tangerine at the moment, uh, looking fantastic out on the circuit, Nick, and really cocking the inside rear wheel up, and that's helping the car rotate into the corners. No doubt in my mind about that at all. As uh, Rick Breukers, who seems at home in anything, I'm sure if you gave him a shopping trolley to race, he'd rag it within the inch of its life. But he's really getting that car to turn in by just throwing it in the corners and pitching it up under three wheels. It's wonderful. Yeah, showing the versatility, of course, Rick. Rick's um, been running a lot of time within uh, racing with the Lamborghinis, with big, powerful rear-wheel drive cars. Now he's showing his expertise with a nimble little front-wheel drive machine. It is all about getting the car to rotate. Uh, and, yeah, as you say, you throw it in, but I'm sure it's not, you know, we described him, 
you're just throwing it in. I'm sure. Oh, well, he's throwing it off there, throwing it in. I'm sure he would basically say, no, no, no. I'm doing this, that, and the other, and I'm balancing it with with extra power. And I'm, but, uh, but it, yeah, it does look very much like he's chucking it. He's, he's wagging his rear wheel in the air and just looking rather attractive. Yeah, I got a feeling that that just trying to pick up where on the track he was where he went off. I think that was the first part of 11. So through Craig Jones at 10, and then into Portimao at 11. Now he's heading down to what mm, no and he said I've said that now oh no that's right yeah I was in the right place uh, and that's 13 so this is a circuit that I'm not quite as familiar with as I probably I, should I mean, be yeah yeah we, we, we've now moved the 188 car which is just going around Samson 9 now uh, and he's going to go through the Craig Jones um, that's called it King to the left hand side sweeping down I mean it, 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 it quite interesting because these, these long range cameras you actually do get impression of some of the uphill and down dell but it is way more it is massive amount of hill climbing and uh, and coming down the other side as he sweeps round Portimao which is turn 11 uh, that's, that is a super super yeah. super oh, yeah. quick entry to the first part of 11 12 I would think is pretty much uh, pretty much flat but you've got to keep the car balanced because then you head up to the almost hairpin at 13 and then Sagres falls away which is again a double apex right hand and it goes on forever and then you're falling downhill and this bit I do remember there's a little just a little rise up before mm. the start of Galp and you think all right okay okay oh oh it just keeps going and Galp the final corner at 15 just goes on forever and a day and the front straight, that's not flat either. You go up, then down, then down a bit more, and then back up again. It's an extraordinary place. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you plunge down. Yeah, when you're starting from a rolling start or a standing start, you, you kind of have a little bit of flat, and you go plunge down. Luckily, just when you get to the first corner, it does begin to give you a little bit of help with the brakes. But you are initially breaking downhill before getting a little help with the uphill as we go into uh, Primera Curve. But, yeah, I mean, it is. There is nothing. Not, when they laid this out, they, it must be an interesting concept. If we're going to put this track here, and you're going, well, but none of it's flat. You know, this is a bit of an open bit of uh, Portuguese land. Why here? Well, we've decided it fits really well, but it is nothing is flat, and it's and like most places, it's, it's still evolving and moving. The the tracks around the, uh, the circuit service road tracks, they've all got a, a kind of a ripple effect as well as the uh, the land continues to move. So, um, track itself though is still relatively smooth. It hasn't got too badly uh, too bad bumps or anything like that. So they are. Yeah, you know, it's staying in good condition. Um, you know, it needs a bit of a mow, but that's the only thing you can say about it. It's still looking good, and the track surface. Yeah, oh, we're going to overtaking pursuit here. Is the 101 car goes past the 188? The uh, 188 not on, Stefan Perra not on a flying lap, whereas Britain another flying lap. They move the second set of tyres. Um, well, essentially, really, you'd thought that they would have given one run to uh, to Rick and then the other run to Luke, wouldn't you? Sharing it out amongst the kids. Otherwise, there's going to be a huge amount of rows at tea time. You got more time than me, Dad. It's not fair. Hello to Johnny Morlam, who's uh, tuned in. Johnny, nice to have your company. And best to the family. Just right. hearing the sound of engines running again is, is wonderful, isn't it? I, 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 I'll say we'll continue our sim racing coverage, by the way, uh, on the a variety of uh, series that we've been involved in. It was the final round of the IMSA iRacing Pro Series last night. If you haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil it for you. Go back and watch the archive on radio-show.co.uk because it was an absolutely cracking race oh, yeah. to the title. 
thoroughly enjoyed that. DNLS will continue all the way through to October and a couple of other one-off events, including the iRacing 24 Hours of Le Mans, which is next weekend. We've got our real-world 24 Hours this weekend here at the 24 Hours of the Algarve, the Hancock 24-Hour Series. Next weekend, I would think somewhere in the region of 12 to 1,400 teams will be entered Yes, at least. It's the biggest one. It's bigger than Nürburgring and Nürburgring and 1,200. 12.65. I've just found my notes. Yeah. 1,265. It'll so, be everybody. Um, I mean, in fact, there'll be more split. Um, the two start dates will times will be more evenly split than they were, obviously, with Nürburgring, which is very European-centric, whereas, of course, Le Mans is the whole world wants to do Le Mans. And it's, it's been running for a very long time as well. It, it has to be, uh, it has yeah, to be said. The eighth or the ninth, I think. Yeah. Uh, hello to Jet and Arnav as well. Uh, a long day remotely schooling Arnav was today. Well, mm. and this is his uh, this is his reward then, watching and listening to full metal racing from the Algarves into the pit lane comes the third place uh, TCR class car. Two different races within one here we have the gt endurance series and the tc the touring car endurance series it just so happens we've only got one class within tc and that is tcr the uh, tcr cars just doing their well antibody jumping out there and who was that jumping in I t you know take my eyes off no, i think it was carrie peck i think okay, it was well. i think it was the other thing uh, I'll, I'll I'll catch up with that at the moment. Third, Scott Wheel Racing. Thank you, he says, for making my Friday work day more enjoyable at home. WFH. Um, working from home. Thank you, Scott. Phil Kinch. Finally, we have some uh, live endurance tuned in on RS1. Uh, pictures as well, uh, Phil, if you are uh, able to have that bandwidth get onto the link on radio-show.co.uk out goes the 117 uh, that was Nathaniel Berthon who Berthon who took that car into the pit lane and I, I've got to be honest I didn't notice whether the DHL uh, liveried machine Nick changed their drivers in they that car they certainly changed tyres I was watching that whilst you were you, you were chatting away with our, with our tweet with Twitterage and it's interesting to see that yeah, it looks like it's two guys on the car, both both masked up, both staying away, and then the lollipop man. I mean, to see whether the slightly more supported um, GT teams are the same, but it may well. But yeah, they have limited the amount of people in the team, therefore they're limited the amount of people, as the Americans say, over the wall or working on the car in, in the, the lane. lane. Yeah. So um, yeah, there's a lot of things to see, but it didn't seem to slow these cars too much because this wasn't a racing stop. This was just a. Uh, um, a change of tyres to give the next driver, or perhaps the same driver, a chance. And of course, you know, in that DHL car, he'll be looking to deliver a good time, John. I just look, I'm just revelling in, in hearing the TCR engines at full charge. I know they're only a little two litre four cylinder, but 300 and plenty horsepower, 330 odd horsepower, actually, depend on who you Welcome speak to. Welcome everybody here in a beautiful Portugal. Uh, you saw it, viewers, um, on YouTube and are also on our website. We have a slight problem with the connection with Radio Lamar. They are really ready for us, but we are working very hard on the connection. Meanwhile, me, Peter, and my colleague Ole will do commentary to help you out. Uh, the coming minutes 
uh, hour, I don't know how long it will take, but we will help you out. Or not, Ole? Well, uh, we are a bit more than halfway into the TCE qualifying session right now. And um, looks that there have been quite some already at this stage. We are uh, happy to be here in Portimao for the first race of our, our European Championship. And, um, well, in the end, uh, this is the very first international Europe during the Corona pandemic. Well, that was uh, Peter Fry and uh, Ole Dolleman uh, uh, down there in the pit lane. Just doing a couple of uh, sound tests, I think, for the grid walk uh, later on uh, this weekend. We'll keep our ears uh, on that, but obviously they're struggling with the sound of the cars. Let's go back to Peter for a moment. Oh, and that's really important, really important. And that's why we also uh, have the connection with Redimon. Um, not here, but in London, and that's why we have a little bit of problem with that. My colleague Ole is ready for the team manager from Autorama. He's making himself ready, and then we will ask him some questions. He's with two cars here in Portimao, the number one and the number 112, the champions of last year from the European Championship and the Championship of the Continents. Are you ready, Stefan? Come over, please, to my colleague Ole. Nice uh, that you're here with us in uh, Portimao. You just uh, told me about some quite interesting story. Both your cars had uh, exactly the same lap time. Is that correct? Yes, correct. Uh, both uh, Golf have the same lap time. What is the lap time? Yes, again. That's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, really. It's very high. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, how, how do you feel being here for the first uh, international uh, race uh, during the Corona pandemic in Europe? Yeah, it's very nice. Uh, also from Creventic, the organization, the people, the, the Portuguese people. Uh, we make all together. And uh, no, it's a good thing. I think it's a, a good uh, sign for other uh, organization uh, you make a very good job thank you honor to be here with you you've got quite some strong driver lineups is your goal to defend your last year's title this year with us yeah we hope we have uh, very good drivers and uh, um, we want uh, place one and two also in the championship okay that's uh, thank you very much Stefan and uh, good luck this weekend thank you very much so that's uh, Ole Dolleman with the team manager uh, down at Autorama. Two cars of the TCR Two category. Cars. Let's have a look and I think we have to see on the TV, Ole, what is really happening because we are now in the pit lane and for us it's very difficult to see what is happening at the moment. So... Let's and we'll uh, leave Peter and Ole to their little uh, pit walk in the moment as we keep an eye on what's going on uh, on the uh, timing screen. Rick Broikus has come into the pits from provisional pole position, Nick Dearman, with a, a 1.55.0. That's a pretty stout time there, uh, leaving him three quarters of a second ahead of the field. 
And as uh, we were sitting in that, that chat a minute ago, the two autoramas had exactly the same time to a thousandth of a second. So uh, when that happens, uh, the team that, that does it first gets the position above. So obviously the, the number one car clocked that 155.837 before the 112 machine. Um, it's actually Miklas Bourne who got in the car, replacing uh, Andy Burley uh. in the uh, in the 112, but um, he now has a chance. I think they gave him fresh tyres, so yeah, I'm not sure if he's quite as quick as Andy, but he wants to prove he is and see if he can at least uh, leapfrog his teammate uh, and if not get uh, the extra 8, 10 seconds, which sounds a little bit difficult to get past Rick, who's just gone out and said, look at me, I'm the man in Quaventi qualifying. Uh, improvement last time around for Quentin Giordano in the Cord Racing Volkswagen Golf, the 124 down to 156.498. I would think, Nick, that everybody's knocking a bit of dust off at the moment. I know they've had some free practice earlier on, but still it's relatively early on. And when you've been out for the best part of probably three or four months, some of these drivers, possibly even more. You know, we the, the last race in this series was the second week of January. So we're talking almost six six months ago, potentially. Yeah, I mean, I think they've, they've had a few laps and they've been down and they've, they've, they've felt themselves out, they've felt the car out, they've sort of the track is. But this is the first time it's meant anything, John. This is the first time they've actually had any pressure in the in the cockpit. You know, every other time you're just doing practice laps. The only, the only thing is don't fall off, basically. Don't damage the car. Now, it's don't damage the car and go as fast as you can in doing that. In fact, uh, Yannick Mettler has um, improved the number one car. Uh, Volkswagen. He's gone up to 155.3, three-tenths slower than uh, Rick, but... Uh, half a second quicker than his teammate, uh, Miklas Bourne. But yeah, I mean, it is the case. This is the first time this has meant anything. It's the first time there's anything on the line apart from a bit of pride. And the drivers who are taking part, which won't be all the drivers, are getting a chance to really push for the first time, as you say, since the second week of January. I'm, I'm reminded uh, by Paul Trustwell. Hello, Paul. Uh, glad to uh, know that you're listening in on RS1 and RS3. Uh, pit stops, two mechanics over the line, uh, plus a lollipop man, and they have to wear face masks. Uh, only four mechanics can i remember now from the uh, interview that uh, ollie did with me for midweek motorsport it's four in the garage and if they can't socially distance again uh, they uh, must be wearing uh, adequate nose uh, and mouth face mask protection on that it, it, it's it's all been well thought out nick and I, I quite like that about Kravetnik. Everything's been done for a reason. I did ask Ollie, are you adding time to the pit stop so you can disinfect the car and things like that? As some <laughs> other series have, have said, he said, the guys are in you know a full race suit, gloves, helmets, balaclava. Um, yeah. it, we, 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 we've consulted. We don't think that's necessary. Uh, and we've consulted with the teams as well. And I, I just like the way they've gone about it. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing about Creventic is, you know, you, the, the, the one thing that you can never, ever criticise Creventic for is the quality of their organisation. They are absolutely past masters at getting the organisation, the written information, the, 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 the instructions, the management, the, the track management, the you know, everything involved around getting the cars to work so the teams know what they have to do, so they understand what they're required of. And also, they have, they have a lot of thought about how to manage, you know, COVID racing. And, and it's, it's they're the, the first... European series to get going again, obviously much uh, smaller than w w the series we've seen getting going in the States in NASCAR and IndyCar. And they kind of, what can we do? What can our teams achieve you know, in a reasonable way that's not going to overly pressure them? And then they come up with some great ideas. I mean, it's going to be interesting because it's going to increase 
you know, the time to change tyres. So it obviously makes the double stinting or probably even triple stinting your tyres even more valuable because you've only got two people over the wall uh, in the lane, and that's going to be um, you know a time limiting factor to change four tyres as well as everything else. So yeah, I mean, I think it's everyone knows what they've got to do. I'm sure the the big teams will have, have, have sat down and, and done a tyre motion study, if that's still what you call it, a, a procedure. Uh, in the Microsoft project, project and such. But and even in my day, they didn't call it time and motion when I was doing it. It was work <laughs> study in those days. And I'm sure it's something like the index of thermal efficiency or something now. Yeah, that's the other one. Uh, yeah, so then, and they're doing that. And I think it's, yeah, it'd be interesting to see once we get into race conditions, whether it actually affects the strategies or whether they just take the extra time. I think, nope, that's doing, you know, rather than banking you know, a minute for a stop, we now have to bank, you know, a minute 30 um, prior to getting the fuel. So, Staying out of the pits is always going to be important, but it might be even, even more important now when you've got less people to sort out any problems you have. It's Nick Dearman, John Heindorf, uh, and you're listening to RS1 and RS3. It's down inside the last 20 minutes of TCE Touring Car Endurance Series qualifying for the 24 hours of Portimao. Uh, colleagues Peter and Olive from Creventic are wandering around in the pit lane uh, at the moment. Uh, we'll uh, keep listening in to see if we can uh, drop into any interviews that they're doing uh, at the moment. Uh, but I think they're uh, just having a little bit of a chat amongst themselves. So we'll continue with the action. It is still redcameljordan.nl, Rick Broika's time, 155.0. We've got full timing and scoring at radio-show.co.uk. Just click the picture of the 24-hour series on the front page. Still... Uh, a decent lead as Rick's just gone uh, into the fuel station on the way out of the pit lane. It was trimmed uh, by a half a second uh, from the three quarters of a second that it was. So that's an improvement by the number one Autorama car. Yannick yeah. Mettler went up to second place and it's now just two tenths. Still seven tenths further or seven tenths back from provisional pole. The Miklas Bourne now driven number one, one, two. In the pits, Nat Burton for Come To You Audi Sport. He is barely a tenth away from uh, the third place, but nearly nine-tenths of a second away from Paul Quentin Giordano. He is nine-tenths, and it's 1.4-tenths away for AC Motorsport. Hannes Morin getting some time in the 188 car, as in at the moment, the Nat Burton DHL car getting some uh, new Hankook front rubber. Actually, they look like they might have been scrub tyres going yeah. uh, going on there, Nick. Yeah, I mean, they, they, yeah, they've got so many new sets of tyres. Of course, the one thing that they, they tended to do, in, um, certainly in the BTCC, is they would stick a you, you four new tyres. You'd then come off and you'd do a rotation and put the rears on the front because they'd warmed up and they weren't particularly worn out. So, uh, yeah, there's a chance to get the tyres rolling through. There's, there's fresh tyres going onto the, uh, the car we were looking at then. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure how desperate they are to pick up pole but i'm sure they'd like to know how fast they're going and that berton is obviously used to driving um everything up to p1 machinery he's probably uh, trying to work out where the other 400 horsepower has gone <laughs> 300 and odd horsepower through the uh, through the front wheels yeah, is probably yeah. quite enough and oh yeah out goes the 112 that's miklas born or it was miklas born that brought it in and this is the red and white uh, VW Golf currently sitting in third position. It's heading in for a quick splash of fuel. The fuel station, as Nick rightly mentioned earlier on, is at pit out. 
Yeah, I think I think the situation. Well, the interesting thing is, John. Oh is no, he's gone the, straight out. He's gone straight out. He's got a few. Sorry. What we often see in these GT qualifiers, GTE qualifiers, is that people will do you know a tyre's worth of qualifying and park it up because they've you know, they, they've had hours and their eyes are in. But the, people are using every minute of track time to to, to fine tune and hone the cars. I mean, they're still obviously they're probably still thinking about setup work. I mean, I doubt anyone's put on a a unique qualifying setup, but they're probably trying to put on a fast road setup, see how that affects tyre wear, see how it's fuel consumption, see if they can run that in the race. Because they're still, you know, coming effectively to the, into the European season for the first time now, even though we're in the middle of June. They're coming to Portimao for the first time in two seasons. Were we at Portimao last year? I don't remember. Um, so they, they've got a chance to, to check out the track. The track will be very different from the last time, because obviously it won't have got much use in the preceding two or three months. Um, and they're still learning. So it's, it's a useful 45-minute session uh, before they go into night practice in a few hours' time. Yeah, I agree that. We'll be a bit at night time running tonight just so that they can get the headlights uh, dialed in. 188, when it tops up over that corner, which I think is... They're actually going from Samsung, isn't it? They they, heat, they they lock up every single time, really, really severely on the on the rear uh, rear right of the car. And I've watched other cars going, and they and they and they don't do that. So my thinking is probably they've got a slightly stiffer rear end, or so, yeah. so they're lifting it a bit more. I mean, it doesn't do any. You know, you don't stick a flat spot on a tire when, you, when it's so unloaded. It just makes it a nice, big, pretty bit of smoke. But um, interesting that even you know very similar chassis, very similar teams, all who had these cars for a few years, are still setting them up in very different ways. Yeah, and, and well, either it's very stiff or it's very uh, pliable and it's picking that wheel up as they're rotating through the corner. Uh, and I haven't worked yeah. out really which one. What was the, which car was that, the 188 you were talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's, have a, let's have a look at that. It's it a waggle every single time. Heads round. On the same corner. Five Doing minutes it to go. Locked it up there, always the entrance into uh, uh, Lagos. It was a, a long bit of lockage. That was turn four. Now, over the top of the brow with the hospitality suites in the middle of this run down to VIP, down to Torre VIP. How do you pick your breaking point for that? That is just... <laughs> and you think it's bad in a car. It's mental on a motorbike. Now, heading yeah. back up the hill on the other side, through the left-handed kink at seven, towards the very quick entry into turn eight. I don't not even... Well, that was one gear down there. Now to the top of the hill at Samsung. Then over the top. So many blind brows here. Over the top of the brow. And then diving down the hill through Craig Jones Kink at 10. That's absolutely flat. And then here's the part that Nick was talking about. Just over the top of the brow. Just unloading the right rear into the first part of Portimao. It's actually two almost two corners there. But it's just number 11. Now down the hill to the left Kink at 12. Uh, and then... Straight up the other side to 13, which is all the way down the gearbox again. And then a little short shoot over the brow. Again, turning in over a brownick, which for a front-wheel drive car isn't uh, optimum. That's Sagres. And the camber's not helping you in the middle of that corner. And then just over the top of the brow again is your clipping point for the first part of Galp, which is 15. Then you let it breathe all the way to the exit and run onto the AstroTurf over the coloured kerbs. That's a busy lap, isn't it? That's a very busy lap. 
yeah, I mean, there's there's 15 corners officially, but the, the point about it is that you're never actually, you know, pointing straight and not up or downhill. So at every point you're trying to battle with the car as Rick Broikers comes over the line again, having set two fastest sectors in sector one, sector two, and setting a good sector three to take the move the uh, fastest lap up to uh, a 154.897 and his lead goes back to virtually half a second over Yannick Muller in the one car. So Rick going faster and faster and faster. At some point, surely should let Luke have a go, honestly. Um, but yeah, I mean, the track is an unbelievable... It, it, it is by far the most spectacular circuit to drive around. And Joe and I actually went around there in the high car a couple of years ago. And there's no point where you're not doing something. Often, as you pointed out, John, trying to work out which corner you're at as you look over the brow, blind brow, because it, yeah, the first four or five laps you're learning a track, it doesn't help when you can't see most of the corners. Very true. Simulcasting in RS3 and RS1 with our audio feed and the tech team working really hard to get that up on the video stream as well. For the moment, enjoy the sights and sounds slightly divorced from each other here on the Radio Show Limited Network. We do have sound and vision on our site uh, just at the moment. They're not all in the same place. In the pit lane, only eight uh, members of staff per car to include the... Uh, does that include the drivers, did Olesi? I think it did, didn't it? Yeah. No, it can't. We've got five drivers sometimes. Okay. Last lap, a new fastest lap for Rick Breukers. 154.8 now, so he's pulled. He had to do it, though, because Nat Burton has put in a 55.0. So that would have... going quicker as well this time round, John. He's got two fastest sectors, sector one and sector two. So whilst they're not fastest, they're not purple sectors, not overall fastest sectors, he is on personal best in one and two. And we do know that in the top lap, the fast lap that Rick put in a few minutes ago, his final sector was slow uh, for him. So there's a possibility that Nat may claim pole in the 117 car in a, a few seconds time, or certainly he'll get much closer to Rick unless he makes a mistake. I think he's, uh, well, Rick had to do that. He would have already lost the pole. So the company U Audi ahead of both the Autorama VW Golf. So it's Cupra, Audi, Volkswagen, 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 Audi, at the moment, only 1.6 seconds uh, through the team. Oh, and it wasn't an improvement. Lost out in the final sector for Nat Burton as in comes the AC Motorsport and Hannes Morin in the uh, black, white and red Audi number 188. Breukers in the pits. Breukers in the pit. So with just 50 seconds remaining, he's not going to get another crack. It's going to be down to Burton for the final lap here that he's on at the moment he took it relatively easy through the final sector there as Breukers gets back to his pit team they're clapping him they think it's a done deal and no improvement in the first sector for Burton 36-2 that's not bad but it needed to be, I think, a little bit quicker than that. A 155.2 last time around. I I go back on what I said. That uh, Oh, now he's lost a lap. Has he lost a lap there, Nick? Because, oh. I don't, no, 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 sorry. I, 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 my, I was looking at the wrong part of the screen. So he got within a tenth and a half last time around. So he did slightly improve as he comes through now. The chequered flag is out. Now, did he get through before the chequered flag? Burton. Looks like he's going to be at the very worst in second place. Top three, separated by less than three-tenths of a second. Nick Dearman. Yeah, both 
Nathaniel in the 117 and Rick in the 101 lost their last laps to track limits. Uh, ah. Matt lost his at turn one, so he blew it almost immediately. Whereas, interestingly, it was until turn 14, Sagres, for Rick to lose it. So both of them uh, have had those, those key laps deleted. The Thank net you. effect is that the gap has... Um, the, the 54, uh, 154 has been lost by Rick, so he's got a 155069. It's but enough. Also, the 155.0 for Nat was lost as well, so he's got 155.2. So they both lost laps, uh, and the net effect is that it's still the same. <laughs> well, well done for actually uh, getting on the race control channel there. Thank you. If I'd only looked further down my screen, I would have seen that myself. Thanks, Nick. Uh, let's see the results of uh, qualifying then uh, from the TCE part of the championship qualifying or the race qualifying should I say it is uh, Rick Broikers who puts the number 101 Red Camel Jordans Cupra on pole position with that 155-0 55-2 then for Nat Burton for Audi and the Come To You team Audi Sport that's the 117 so 101 and 117 will be on the front row from defending series champions Autorama Motorsport Yannick Mettler did the time with a 55-2 from a 55-8 from his teammate Miklas Bourne uh, yeah that's correct let's have a chat with uh, the guys down in the pit lane Peter's got the mic and he's with the breakers yeah, well, really fun qualifying uh, I think on the end it was quite tight I haven't seen the other lap times yet but uh yeah, for sure it was a lot of fun and I'm really happy uh, to be on board. You had at the end a fresh uh, fresh set of tyres, I think. It brought you even more to the front. You had a better time. Uh, that was according to the plan. Uh, yeah, honestly, we thought we had fall with the time we had, but then we saw other people were improving. So we decided to go out for one, uh, one more time with the uh, new tyres. And uh, the colder temperatures on the end really helped. So we improved a lot from the, from the time we set uh, earlier on the session. Uh, and even with a, with a small mistake, uh, second two corners before the last corner, uh, we're still really happy with the time and uh, I'm also happy for the team. Okay, and what are the expectations for tomorrow? Well, it will be hot, so we have to manage the tyres, uh, we have to see. Of course, our goal is to win, but I think the other teams have the same goal, so we have to see who will end up on the first uh, position on the end. Okay, Rick, thank you very much. Take a uh, relax uh, and see you tomorrow then back on Startgood. Big break is capturing pole position for the TCE section of the race. We've got the GTs to come out and it's going to be a bit busier track, Nick Dearman. We, you know, had mm. six cars there, Ole and Peter down in the pit lane waiting for the GTs that, who are starting uh, to roll out. It, still, it shouldn't be too difficult, surely, in the 45-minute session to, to be able to get a bit of clear track, though. Yeah, you've got nine cars, but those nine cars are covering uh, three classes, and one of those classes has a subclass, so you are going to have some differentials in speed, which, of course, the differential in speed we've just seen was probably only what it was actually actually one and a half seconds from fastest to slowest, whereas differential here is going to be probably 15, 16 seconds. So you don't want to come up on a... Uh, uh, a car while on a fast lap. Previously, with the TCRs, if you couldn't see the car at the start of the lap, you knew it wouldn't be there at the end either. Not quite the same if you're a, you know, if you're a GT3 and you might be coming from the Cayman. So it's a case really of, of working out where you are in the space to hit those ultimate lap times. But yeah, I mean, nine cars, four classes. I think this is going to be quite, this is going to be quite interesting because there's going to be again a, a case of two or three teams. It's obvious the GT3 is very, very close with the fastest drivers. And you you could argue that the 92 doesn't have as depth in its speed as the 91 mm. or the 84, the Winwood and the other Herbert. But with the fastest drivers, it's going to be a brave man who puts the money on who's going to get overall pole, John. Yeah, and 
let's just talk about that because it, it isn't a huge field, but it's a very competitive field. Herbeth, uh, I, we know all about uh, the 91 and the 92 car. 91, the usual squad, the Swiss, Daniel Allemann, Ralph Bourne, uh, Robert and Alfred Renard, the Germans in that squad. Jürgen Harig uh, for the 92 car with uh, Taki Constantaniu, Marco Seyfried. Well, Mark was very quick, isn't he? We know all about him. Michael Hughes and Tim Muller. Now, those three, and uh, those three in GT3, are quality teams and quality driver lineups. It was uh, Philip Ellis who put in the quickest time in the free practice for HTP Winber Motorsport. Now, Phyllis, we, Phil, Philip Ellis, we've been talking a lot about recently in the sim world. He won the last round of the DNLS. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, along with his teammate Jack Sedgwick, for Winwood HTP, their first win in the championship and the first win for the MG GT3 in virtual uh, competition in the DNLS this year. HTP Winwood, if you think you know the name, you're right. HTP have been around in various guises for years uh, in a little place called uh, Dienst, actually Alton Dienst. High Dienst uh, in Germany, lovely part of the world. And uh, relatively recently, what, just over a year ago now, maybe a little longer, Bryce and Russell Ward, who are Win Ward Racing in the States, uh, bought out that team to have a European base. So now HTP Winwood Motorsport is combined with parallel programmes, both in Europe and over in the United States of America. Uh, Indy Donchi has been driving with the wards for a little while. And Christian Huernardel, who is another driver who's been involved with Winwood uh, uh, in the past, is actually managing the programme for HTP Winwood. And he is uh, effectively then, if you will, the that programme manager uh, in Germany. Uh, we did an inside story with them a little while ago. Look it up on uh, radio-show.co.uk as it's... Uh, uh, an absolutely uh, cracking run round their facilities, and they did uh, did a very good job of of hosting us uh, long before the lockdown started. I would think that was probably one of our last European trips. Um, I'm, I'm certainly running out of my coffee beans, and the wine that we bought on the way back is long gone uh, from uh, <laughs> from running down there. Because that's the key thing, isn't it? Really. Well, no, the key thing is to go and see, you know, go and see what people are doing. But if you're driving past a car for on the way back to Euro Tunnel, it's rude not to call in and, and do, you know, effectively a weekly or a, or a monthly shop, isn't it? It's the, so, and listen, you, you had the fruits of our labour uh, earlier on this week when you had the merguez when you were around. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm just, I just, I just love the way you, you, you kind of measure everything. <laughs> You've got to get your priorities right, mate. Exactly. And you have, absolutely, 100%. <laughs> um, so that's the three GT3 cars. 991 category with just a couple of entries in. But, of course, those cars will go exceedingly long on fuel. And Milner Motorsport and Speed Lovers, again, two really uh, well-sorted well, teams. I've just seen who's racing for Milner. I did mention that earlier on. I was. I must. I must have been um, concentrating on the other four screens I've got. That's that's. um, Oh, you know, I'm a big fan of Johan. I haven't seen race GT3 Porsche. Does he? Does he race? Does he race Porsches over in the states, John? Uh, He'll race anything that he's asked to, Jerome. He's, you know, the answer is yes. The answer. Would you like to race? Yes, but I haven't told you what it is. Yes. 
but I still haven't told you what it is or where. It, yes, it's just, that. That's it. Um, good to see Jerome Black back in the seat. He's got Molly uh, Krantz, uh, Carlos Vieira, and Tom uh, Chloe with them in that cup car. I've always said that if I was going to put my own money. Uh, into motor racing, always assuming I actually had any money uh, enough to be able to go motor racing. I think I would probably have a Porsche Cup car uh, and do this kind of racing. They are ex- they are exceptionally reliable. They go long on fuel, uh, get into the groove with them. Not the easiest cars to drive, particularly if you leave them in full cup spec because they don't have things like ABS. But there, there is an add-on to that. And the, the later models, of course, are paddle shift. Um, whereas the earlier ones were sequential. But they, they do have paddle shift on the uh, the later models of the 911 RS. Speed lover, Dominic Bastien, uh, Gavin Pickering, uh, Olivier Dons and Eric Muez, uh, the team there. And if we keep those two cars on the track and together and they don't have any problems, then that could be a decent battle because we know about both Speed lover and Molnet. Uh, Nick, are, are very good teams who know which way is up. Yeah, and I think the point you made is that the with this, as we know from it, you get a decent car and a decent driver on the 911, the 911s, and they will be in the lead after the first set of fuel pit stops because they'll yeah. run a lot longer. So they'll have their moment in the sun, depending how well they're driven, is whether they still say that they get a little time in the lead during the second changeover, and then eventually the, the greater speed, the GT3s, will, will outweigh the greater uh, economy, but just the greater ability to carry fuel than the, uh, the uh, 991 class cars. But it's always, they're, they're a difficult thing to get past because they're so fast on the straights. Yep. Uh, and I, here, you've got a lot of corners, um, all up down hill and down dale. So it's going to be a, about a positive move to just try and uh, get past those 991 class cars if you're in a GT3. Uh, otherwise, you can be stuck behind it for a huge amount of time. Uh, the GT4 category is, as Nick said, it's 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 virtually two subclasses, isn't it? It's the full GT4s. We've got an Aston Martin uh, GT4 for Pro Sport with uh, Rodrigo Gion, Tom Heelan, Nico Verdonk, what you would say is the gun driver there. Constantine Scholl it knows how to pedal as well, uh, in fairness. And then the locals, the Park Algar team, uh, Andrea Ontunes, uh, this is a, a GT4 AMG, by the way. Alvaro Ramos, Fred Block, Joachim uh, Penteldo, and Jose Monroy. Those are the two full house GT4 cars. But there are a couple of Caymans. Now, even within that, one of them's a, a 981 and one of them's a 982. So, effectively, the second one is, the, is a 718. So, they're GT4 club sports. Uh, for Veloso Motorsport, Portuguese entered team, although with a little help from uh, Jean Roche Plat, who is a Frenchman, uh, and the Belgian entered, although mostly German crewed, uh, Mulder Motorsport 421 car. Uh, with the drivers there, I would say Axel Sartigan, I, I mean, I've seen that name before, and Torsten Young, I've seen that name before. Yeah, yeah. Time. So it remains to be seen whether they can hold on to the pace of the newer and more de- de- uh, more developed GT4 category uh, cars. So we're a couple of minutes away from the GT4 uh, starts. Uh, uh, we're just waiting for those cars to come out onto the apron here. It's uh, live 
Full metal, multi-class endurance racing. It's qualifying for the GT Endurance Series coming next here on RS3 and RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. The Hancock International Endurance Series on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. And RS3 this weekend as well. We have got multiple events uh, this weekend, so we will be offering you in the classic where uh, on Saturday, tomorrow, we now offer you a choice of listening <laughs> and viewing. Uh, RS1 uh, will be the sixth round of the digital Nürburgring uh, Langstracken series, what the new name effectively for the VLN. It is the three hours the H&R three hours at the weekend. Bruce and I will be kicking that off at half past 11 UK time. Meanwhile, over on RS3, and by the way, video for both of these uh, as well on radio-or.co.uk. It will be Nick, who will be joined by Johnny Palmer for the start of the race. We'll do about three hours at the start uh, of the race, then take a, a short break. There, after that, it'll be the uh, new edition on RS3 of the uh, the new edition on RS3 of the football rewind. Declan Brennan uh, will be uh, presenting another brand new football rewind at three o'clock Saturday afternoon. Of course, it has to be I'm that. I'm very RS3. excited. I'm recording mine on Monday. I know you are. You're you're, you're the next episode, aren't you? Absolutely. Uh, and then 7.30 UK time, Johnny, Nick and me uh, will be taking you through into the evening hours. Uh, Nick's going to bail out about halfway to, through that session. Johnny and I will take it on to midnight and then all three of us will be back for the last uh, three hours or so going into the finish on Sunday morning. So from round about nine o'clock Sunday morning UK and Portuguese time, of course, because uh, Portugal don't, go, uh, don't use... Uh, the uh, CET they stay on the same time zones as the UK in fact if you the Greenwich Meridian uh, which runs uh, which is the timeline of course hence Greenwich Mean Time uh, runs all the way down from uh, through London all the way down through Portugal it's on the, uh, on the same run that Meridian all the way down there so that's something that I always forget when I go to Portugal I think I should put me me wristwatch uh, uh, an hour forward and uh, and then remember I don't have to. Uh, Where's your money going then? Oh, that's a really good question. I am going to say, because I am now such a massive fan of the Mercedes AMG, having driven the 1962 virtually around Monza, I have put all my loyalty towards HTV Winwood and the Mercedes AMG, uh, especially as either Indy or Philip have the speed to take it. But uh, I think there's a little bit of a, a, a wild card in, in the 92 machine. Do you know what I'm going to say, right. which is ridiculous for Creventic? I'm going to say it's not going to be the 91 Herberth car. There we are. Right, OK. <laughs> uh, if you are joining us in sound and vision, well done to the small but perfectly formed team from Nils Weisswey Eins who have managed to match up the RSL sound with their pictures. The 91 crossword car sits in the pit lane, the mostly black uh, Porsche getting a new set of handcuffs onto that uh, at the moment. That. Uh, and yep, I definitely can hear the fact that we have uh, sound coming through on the video. 
Uh, and well done, Sebastian, and the rest of the team for sorting that out. Constantin Scholl has taken out the number 401 Pro Sport Aston Martin V8 Vantage. It looks like Pedro Marieros has taken out Veloso's Cayman 408. Mulder Motorsport, not sure about just yet. Haven't had that trip one of the timing lines. Moritz Kravitz in Mulder 991 uh, Cup Class number 921. Speed Lover, it's Gav Pickering. Gavin Pickering, the British driver out in the Speed Lover car. And I will tell you the other drivers as they get out onto the circuit. Uh, so, of course, John, this is actually is our first bit of multi-class racing. Yes, it is. Since, um, um, well, for us, uh, since Creventic, for you, I suppose, it was a bit later than since the Creventic event, because we do have three and a half, perhaps four classes out at once, all battling around in this uh, GT field to get their individual poles. So um, this is where it all starts. I got a bit of a feast on them when they showed up, when, they, when they were in the pit lane. They were showing the picture of the uh, the ninety one Herbert car. So they thought, hey, I should be there. This is ridiculous. This is what, what am I doing in my in my study? I'm down there. On board noises from the four zero eight of Pedro Marieros, I think, uh, behind the wheel of that. Cayman Club Sport. Uh, I'm saying that. Is it? Is it? Gav, I think actually it's Gav Pickering. I think it's Gav Pickering because that looks to me like a cup car. But uh, okay, I'm, I'm time out for the moment. The number is 08, so the only 08 there. I know it is 08, so I was right the first time. So that is a Cayman, yeah. All right. Uh, they've stuck a kind of a digi screen um, and a reader over the top of the oh, air. I like bit. the, oh, like the colour scheme of that with the green, red, and very dynamic. Uh, green, red, and white uh, of Veloso Motorsports and the Portuguese team. Actually, the same interior as uh, Eve's box issue. I should have really picked that one out. The the uh, crossword car, the Porsche which is the 92 car, is out on the circuit. I can tell you now that that is Jürgen Herring behind the wheel of that, and it's Alfred Renau who's taken out the 91 Herbeth car. So you think no Herbeth on pole? No, no, I think not the 91 Herbeth on pole. Right, Not okay. the traditional Herbeth. That's my, that's my I'm going to make a, a bold prediction with the start of the Creventic uh, European season, and that's it. I'm going to say it's one of the other. I have perm two from three, in fairness, but, you know, I've been controversial as well. So, full sound and vision now together. Well done, as I say, to all the techs uh, who have got... Uh, there's, there's very few of them, and they're doing an awful lot. So, excellent work uh, by the team. Uh, yeah, because, under, uh, yeah, Sebastian? Because of the, you know, the COVID situation and everything else, this is a very stripped-down um, team compared to what we would normally have um, with a massive amount of, of, of people we have in Creventic normally run around with the cameramen and the technical guys, and they're doing a fantastic job. I mean, it, it reminds me of some of the really early races we did for Creventic when they were just putting a foot in the water with, with, with multi-camera coverage, you know, which was quite you know, risky in those days then because it, was, it wasn't an established thing to do back, what, seven years ago, eight years ago. Um, and and I'm told that we have to thank the ever-mercurial working remotely from Germany, Ulf! Ulf! Ah! Well done, mate! He is, he is the master of, of connection. Uh, so, yeah. we normally have him in the booth with us uh, and, and part of the team at the Dubai 24 Hours. Uh, and uh, he's the one who knows how to get the black magic box 
It's actually only called a magic box, but it is black magic. And Ulf seems to know the right spell to get things working. So, Ulf, thank you very much indeed. Uh, and, and Seb and the, the team at, uh, at Trackside doing a cracking job to liaise uh, with the magic Ulf. Not Elf, Ulf. So he's, uh, he's waved his magic wand over it. As he is wont to That's do, in fairness. No surprise that he's the man who sorted it. No, uh, excellent stuff. Well done. Well, it's good team effort, you see. Everybody's got to be prepared to pitch in wherever they are. Absolutely. So back on board. For Early times are yeah, in, John. And we've got a leading in the uh, GC3 uh, class. It's uh, Jürgen Hulling in that 92 Herbert machine with a 148. Taking an early lead in the Porter class, it's the 9.21 of Mollet's Clamps with a 1.50. So you see they're only actually two seconds apart when they're actually going for it at this point. Uh, the 4.21 still doesn't have a driver, unfortunately, so we don't know who's, who's in that... Uh, sorry, 4.21, yes, who's in... This is 4.12 on the entry list. Um, interesting. The Mulner car. Oh, the Mulner car. I, 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 should I learn to read? That might help everybody. Put your glasses uh, on, Nick. No, I have got my glasses. I'm looking very schoolmasterly at the moment. Um, so the, <laughs> stop it. Sorry. So the hasn't got a, he hasn't got a driver. I'm going to give it lines. But the 41 hasn't clicked his, his driver ID, but they are the fastest of the uh, the Caymans. And the GT4 is currently the slowest of the four classes with Constantine Scholl in the 401 machine, um, who is currently leading that GT4 class. But he's just... Just dropped down behind the. You went up there. Gavin Pickering actually. Correct. One class went higher up there. So it, it, it's been settled down. Yeah. Is, I, I think this is cracking. I know there's not a huge field here, but I think it's going to be absolutely cracking to see where the times are coming from. Uh, and uh, all right, th there's there's a little bit of pride involved here in getting to pole position, but make no doubt about it. This is going to be an interesting race because. Number one, how these cars make their lap times are very different. Number two, how much fuel and how big the fuel tanks here and how they use that is very different. A number of people seeing on Wednesday night after listening to Midweek Motorsport, we could have a Porsche Cup car win this race. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And, and absolutely right. We could have a TCR car on the overall podium. It yeah. only takes a couple of problems. And, and this, to me, is the fantastic... A storyline possibility of endurance racing. Multi I was I was talking to the ever redoubtable uh, and everybody's favourite clerk of the course, Claire Smith, earlier on from 360 Motorsport, about something else entirely. Actually, and, we, and obviously, even though we were talking about work, we managed to get onto multi-class racing, and we were talking about how important it is if you're going to go and do a multi-class race, like for instance the race of Re remembrance in early November, which Claire is putting together again on behalf of Mission Motorsport and well done to her for doing that entry's now open by the way uh, raceofremembrance.org I think it is uh, and you, uh, we've said this almost in unison you can only learn multi-class racing Nick Damon by doing multi-class racing and yeah. it doesn't matter whether your goal is to go to Le Mans and you're a GTE AM car getting blasted past by prototypes LMP1s hypercars etc or you're in the race of remembrance in a fairly stock mini or something like that running around and the caterums go blasting past you. They're the equivalent of, of, of P1s at that point and you can only learn the skills required for multi-class racing by actually doing it. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's a very good point that the closing speed between a Caterham and a Mini is probably pretty much is probably actually greater in percentage terms. The closing speed between a P1 and a GT. Exactly the conversation Claire and I had. It is massive, and and you know, not wishing to you know, interestingly, because we've everyone has had the chance to do multi-class racing over the last few months in uh, in virtual world. It's exactly the same there. Learning to manage traffic, learning how to be overtaken is actually. If you're in, not in the fastest car, learning how to be overtaken is actually almost as important as learning how to overtake because you can lose a lot more time uh, clumsily being overtaken by someone, but both you and the person going past, than you can by diving up the inside of someone dramatically. It's, it, you know, it's time ebbing away. You're not in a 20-minute sprint. It's not about what you do in that lap. It's how you manage your entire stint and how you get the maximum time out of that, and that is about managing the traffic around you. Um, but at the front, uh, trying to prove me wrong, John, it is Alfred Renau in the 91 on pole at the moment with a 147.2. He's been hopping either side with his teammate, Jürgen Harding, and then he's just dropped down to second at the moment on a 147.7. Renauer is on two faster sectors as well, so he's got a good chance of, of topping that. But we've yet to see a flying lap from Ferlitz, who's my one chance now to, uh, to knock 91 car off pole. <laughs> yes, exactly so. Uh, at the moment, Phil Ellis just going out onto his flyer first flyer for the htp uh, amg gt3 that's a 2019 version of of that car now that means that's not the updated car with the new uh front end on that car there is a conversion kit uh, on that for that uh, gt3 isn't it not? I thought, it was, I thought, I thought that was, was it. Was that you know, the first year? Was 2019 yeah, the got, first year? 20, 2016 it came out, and then it was, it was, it was its three-year upgrade, 2019. Oh, sorry. Which, I, apologize. I haven't seen it, it yet. So. Which made it even easier to drive, which was always one of the strong points of the Mercedes. Uh, and they, they improved some service issues. I think, as you know, they, 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 there were some issues where you had to take a large amount of car apart to get to some small... Um, you know, not, not exactly yeah, consumable items, but you know what, items often go wrong. So, yeah, they are basically, they, they, they've, they've improved it. They've changed the area a little bit at the front again. Because, as you know, the GT3 rules, um, you're allowed to make a major change, aren't you, after three years? Um, Correct. As long as yes, you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So, yeah, so straight to the top for Phil Ellis on his first oh, flying lap by three quarters of a second. The 84 car as the 91 uh, Herbert, both the cars running in the same colours uh, this weekend. I've just that's going to really confuse me. The ninety-one and the ninety-two. One, yeah, I think one's got a, a kind of a checkerboard with red, and I think from very brief memory had a checkerboard with some green on it. Okay, copy um, that. And uh, however, new tyres, new tyres for Renault. Alfred, it's Alfred, by the way. And meantime, <laughs> the ninety-two still got Jurgen Harding behind the wheel. He's now one point one seconds away from provisional pole. Leading the 991 class, Monty Clance in the Moulin Motorsport 921, GT4 Pro Sport, Constantin Scholl for Aston Martin. Haven't seen the Aston yet. The HTP Winwood car running in unfamiliar in the real world, dark grey with green highlights. But that, of course, is exactly what they've been running in in the DNLS. And Great to see that car in those colours. They did run under the Manfilter uh, uh, banner in the last one, but they still ran with the dark colour with the green stripe rather than the bright yellow that we've been used to seeing. But that's a fabulous first lap from uh, Phil Ellis, and he's going to be quicker this time around again. This is fantastic stuff for Bryce and 
Russell Ward along with Indy Donchi. I mean, when you look at that, Indy Donchi is more slow. Russell Ward just gets faster and faster. Bryce Ward, who's Russell's dad, smashing guy, uh, was about to hang up his helmet, uh, came to racing, motor racing relatively late, did some club racing. Damien Faulkner uh, brought the guys into... Uh, in, into IMSA racing and did a lot of mentoring with both uh, the of the wards. Uh, and then Bryce decided he was enjoying it so much he carried on. And I think he's just still getting better, Bryce. His consistency is fantastic. Aston Martin 401 is the bright orange stripes uh, and the white flash down the side uh, of the... Uh, of the Continental and Pro Sport team with the Gion... Uh, sponsorship on the side of course it does have uh, Rodrigo Gion uh, amongst the driving talent there Tom here and Nico Verdonk uh, also in that car as well as Constantine uh, but that you've got to say Nick straight out the box Phil Ellis class act a winner in the virtual world a couple of weekends ago at the Nürburgring for this team and he's proving he can do it uh, with full metal around him as well well, it's obviously kept in sharp. Not only has he taken provisional pole, he's 2.2 seconds Wow, he's got down to a 45 flat. For now. He, I mean, there's a great bit just in the, on the shot where you saw him sweeping past the uh, his the little brother, the GT4 version. So he had the GT3 go past the GT4. And he swept round, did two more corners and, and chunked another huge amount of time off. Um, yeah, he's had a bit of a cool-down lap on this one. He got, I think he got a little bit stuck behind one of the Caymans early on. He's kind of relaxed. And whether he comes in now or he fires up for another fast one, half an hour to go still. But when you lay down a marker like that, you kind of think, well, oh, you're unlikely to get a lot of track evolution with nine cars. So it's going to have to come purely from the uh, the performance of the drivers. Now, you can see there, John, there, the 92 car. That is 92 with, with the green, green kind flash of, uh, on the bottom. Flash yeah. Rather than red flash for 91. So that's yeah. lucky because we will be able to tell them apart. Otherwise, it would be a bit of a disaster. Green shared band uh, at the top of the windscreen. Green underneath the uh, mirrors uh, as well. This is from David Walton uh, at... RSL underscore studio, how to get us this weekend. He said, I know it's a small grid, but I think this weekend getting back into the race after any repairs might be key to a decent result. It would be unusual to get through the... Uh, it would be unusual to get through the whole race without some incident. Wouldn't be surprised to see a car on class or overall podium that spent some time in the pits. Don't disagree there, David. Ian McCarthy says, hang on, am I, am I awake? Am, is this real? The Herberts, I think, are running different coloured rims as well. Green for the car with green accents. That'll help with the ID as, as well. Yes, and, hmm, well, is it, Sort oh, of yeah. yellow for the for the one with the red accents. You might this be is, right, Ian. This is firing up an, an argument for the RC world, John. There's a long-standing argument in the electric off-road world about whether white rims or yellow rims are faster. Because um, it's like it's, it's a conversation that goes around in circles. Because the answer is neither, but they just they just look better on some time with some of the paint schemes. But um, both of the uh, Herbert cars are out the 92 and the 91. Alfred Renault, in fact, has put down a marker in the first of the sector by going fastest of all. So he's on a purple sector. He's got a 32.7. So he's gone faster than Philip. And look at Philip had an overall lead of 2.2 seconds. So whatever they've done, whether he's he stopped off, may, may well be, uh, yeah, he may well have gone out for the first run on some used tyres. Good point, yeah. John. Or he may have had, you know, three wheat mixes. That's the upper, either or, isn't it, really, about how you improve a driver performance. New tyres or breakfast cereal. Uh, and another fastest as well. Yeah, this is going to be another poll. He's going to... 
he's going to be, he could be knocking on the door of a two minute, uh, of a, a 144, uh, 1 minute 44 second lap. I think we did get down into the 44s in the last practice session. I'll look that up in a wee moment. Uh, hello to uh, Snapper Kilv in Wiltshire. He said, forgive me for asking this, is this real? Yes. This is full metal racing. We love our sim racing as well, but isn't it lovely to have the option tomorrow? You'll be able to have the option tomorrow to do one or both. Swap between them. Have them both on separate parts of your screen. We'll have oh. the the uh, the next round of the DNLS. And it is a 44.6, not even just tickling the 44s. My goodness, almost down to a 144.5. Four tenths of a second now, Phil Ellis, who's pitted. I presume that was a new set of handcuffs going on. What I think they're doing here, Nick, is doing three or four laps on a new set of tyres, basically getting the best out of them, and then taking them off and effectively saying, right, that's them scrubbed in. Um, yes. We'll use them again sometime during the race. Yeah, run through a heat cycle. I mean, it, it, with some tyres, I think the handcook can be like that. I think actually you get more longevity out of giving them a quick heat cycle and let them cool down and start again. You don't, you don't necessarily have the ultimate grip from them, but you do get more life. And as we've said, you're going to have a double stint and possibly if you can get away with it triple because with the reduced number of people to change tyres, suddenly your pit stops become longer. So that's an extra thing for the teams to factor in. Can we make the tyres last as long as possible? Drivers can do three stints with you know, uh, allowable by the rules can we actually manage that to happen and that is, is why they'll be looking at how they prep the tyres looking at tyre wear all through the uh, the race and through the practice Whoa, and a nasty little oversteer moment there for uh, Alfa Romeo it went into that was into 13 was it I think correct it was towards the end of the lap heads into 14 it's Sarkris now go and pull up a track map of Portimao it's a very busy 2.9 mile 15 corner circuit I'd, I'd actually almost argue there was... All right, we don't use turn two here because we don't use the uh, the motorcycle opt. But I, I would argue that there are still 15 corners here because Portimao, effectively, you've got a right-hand kink going into a 90-degree right-hander. And you've got to think of that as well. Very interesting. It's almost a little complex, a little mini complex there. And I'd say the same for Sagres as well because it's tight on the entrance and then opens out whereas Portimao is uh, a fast kink into a tighter corner, which is actually quite unusual nowadays. It does mean you're doing a bit of braking as you're going into the first part uh, of the Portimao at turn 11 on the, uh, the back of the circuit. Uh, still got 25 minutes to go here. Still, not a, sorry, still haven't got a time set by the GT4, the Portuguese GT4. Jose Monroy still hasn't actually set a time. They have been out. Correct. They're doing ins. They're, go, they're going out and straight back around and in again. So keep an eye on for the 412 cart. Jose, sure that's a problem. Or Jose actually would say for that. They need to do. They, don't, yeah, they, they, they probably think, well, we'll be happy we qualify and when we qualify and we're just trying to perhaps. Yeah. One of the things you do need to practice is a really good point is that the pit in and pit out is a key thing to practice and it's you know at racing speeds you know you need to know how you're going to enter the pit and how you're going to leave it um, you know especially if you're not taking fuel so driver practice as well Nick yeah. Yeah. don't forget you've only got a couple of people to help you on the pit lane so you won't have 
the the benefit of a driver helper. And exactly, that's, that's a very good point, John. They've lost the driver helper, which is a new thing that came in a couple of seasons ago. The only person who can help the driver in and out are the driver and the driver who's replacing him. So they are the yankers, effectively, and the shovers. Um, so I'm sure it'll be a case of the if you, if you maybe some retribution. If you yank someone out too uh, too hastily, shall we say, perhaps you'll find yourself being yanked as well. Yeah, and and I hate that. I don't. I, it, it, you've got a way of getting in and out of your car. And I don't want anybody pulling me or helping me because it unbalances you. Uh, yeah. And I've had that happen to me before. So Josie, I think, we'll be calling him Josie because he is uh, Portuguese. So it's not Jose, it'll be Josie. Uh, Monroy uh, behind uh, the wheel of the Park Algar racing team. Mercedes, he's just come into the pits of the GT4. Definitely two different coloured wheel rims. Great spot by, uh, it was Ian McCarthy, wasn't it? Yes, he spotted that. And there goes, ah, there is the GT4 Merc. Now, the, the stark difference, Nick, between the look of the GT4 AMG and the GT3 AMG, I mean, helped by the fact that the 412 is pretty much sort of standard Mercedes-Benz Silver Arrow Silver, but it actually doesn't look that much different from a road car with that narrow rear, curved rear wing, does it? No, I've seen the thinking that 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 is that is basically a pumped up road car, and then you suddenly see the difference of the GT3, which is an absolute full on race car with with you know the side exit, the exhaust, the the skirts, the wings, and more importantly, John, an aerodynamic package that's just taken into the top of the table by almost seven tenths of a second. Phileas has taken forty-three nine. Wow. So he. he he did, it, he did it with two purples and a green, so two best sectors of all and one personal best. And this machine is such a, you know, a hyped up on steroids. And it's interesting, isn't it, that the, the hyping up of the Mercedes gives it a much more different look than the similar hyping up to GT3 standards of the Porsche 911. That, that just looks like a, you know, we, I suppose we're used to seeing Porsche 911s in a, in a road form and a turbo form, aren't we, with a bit more wingage? And it's almost the same thing when you see a 991 class car and the 99 and the GT3 class car. Oh, it's the same car with a bit more wingage, but it's the uh, with the Mercedes. It's very much road car and full-on race machine. It's Nick Damon. I'm John Hindhoff. We're live on RS1, RS3, and in sound and vision across all of the socials from the 24H series. Uh, 24H series. Uh, platforms uh, live timing and scoring on their web website also on our page as well with a bit of strategy software built into that uh, as well when we get to the race 43.9 I'm immensely impressed with with uh, Phil Ellis in that HTP just going back to uh, the HTP Winwood card just going back to the Josie Monroy Mercedes AMG GT4 I, I agree with you on the externals of that car, Nick, but when you have a good look at the GT4, there's an awful lot of GT3 bits underneath it. Pretty much yeah. all the suspension. Uh, the new GT4 uh, has got uh, the GT3 dashboard, an interior and seating package, uh, an instrumentation. The data package is a little different, but not too far off. But you look at the corners, and the GT3. And the GT3, it's very interesting, actually, the way the different manufacturers have gone about this because somebody like Audi's GT3, the R8, that's very much a road car, and some of the bits on it are still road car, all of the engine, obviously, but things like suspension, there's a lot of road car bits on that, which make it very, very um, cost-effective to run. 
because they're a road carpet so you can get it at, literally get it at your Audi dealer you can get the upright and the corners and stuff like that from it of course that's a road car bit therefore you might have to replace them more often whereas on the Mercedes the GT3 and to a certain extent the GT4 much more race biased uh, in some of those components so purpose built a little bit more um, it's a bit of a handful at the moment the 408 Mariana Pires behind the wheel of that Porsche Cayman um, uh, they're very much more race tuned uh, and therefore they'll be a little bit more robust but when you replace them you know they'll go a bit longer but if you do have to replace them they're going to cost you a little bit more so in the the old saying goes you pays your money you takes your choice yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, yeah, the, the interesting thing really is between the GT3 and the GT4, especially, and it's most evident in the Mercedes, so it's the same with, with all the cars, is that where the real difference is is the error, isn't Correct. it? They're, they're making so much more downforce. And and, and that is a, a complicated body kit, also underbody work as well. But, you know, if you're a GT4 car, then you, on the whole, you are making you are making your speed from mechanical grip and from power, because you're not going to have many pounds Very down. slippery. Very you know, slippery, you know, you, you know, it, it pays perhaps to have you know, full race suspension because that's the key thing. You know, it's, a, it's about you know, getting yourself there and, and actually making the most of getting their power down. Obviously, obviously, the interesting thing about both the GT3 and the GT4 is they'll have less power ultimately than the road car. The sport version of the road car has more horsepower than either of those two cars, which yeah, are power limited by the classes. So it's, it's an interesting situation now where none of these top incredibly fantastic GT3 machines are producing anything like the power of their road car uh, uh, competitors? It's it's a really strange situation because they have to they have to limit the power because in that way, you know, otherwise the cars will get too fast to track. So they limit the power now. The engineers now with balanced performance have to find the way to get advantages. And as advantages come, the other two elements of a racing car, which are suspension and aero, and depend and that that you know, where that sits will obviously depend on the regulations and also the intelligence of the people and of course within Porsche of course the limitations of the overall design hence the fact you know the fact they had to flip the engine around for the GTE where you have more aerodynamic freedom imagine the gearbox swap places yeah Marcus Seyfried has just improved to a 145.622 for the second of the Porsche Cup cars um uh, for the second of the Herbeth uh, GT3s, excuse me, and he's back out on the circuit. Daniel Olliman has taken over the number 91 car, so Phil Ellis has won 43.9 at the moment is the time for everybody else to be beat. Still got 17 and a half minutes to go, so there's time for other uh, drivers to get in. Seafried going quicker again this lap. Uh, 145.622 last time around. He's, what, 1.6 seconds off the lead, but only three-tenths away from a front row start. That's an inter-Herbeth battle with both the first and second place cars, the 84 of Mercedes-AMG and HTP Winwood. Oh, hang on, Phil Ellis's name's just gone back with that on that one. So Ellis has gone back out again. You've taken some fuel, so perhaps they... Right. Um, okay. Uh, they may have just had a, a, a glitch on the on the driver uh, rotor. He's gone back out again. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Siri just finished his his lap and remained half a second off Daniel Alleman. So it is uh, Herbert uh, two and three. Hello to Simon Tibbet. Tweets at RSL underscore studio. Woohoo! Real cars. <laughs> it's that's a great way to start a tweet, isn't it? Woohoo! Uh, real cars are on the circuits for qualifying. 
Looking forward to being back at the track with Kravenik soon uh, in my race suit. Hashtag this is endurance. Simon, we wish you well, mate. Hopefully we'll be able to at least talk about you on track soon, if not see you. Uh, still clearly some uh, travel uh, requirements that uh, we have to fulfil. Uh, still effectively not being allowed to travel abroad out of the UK at the moment with the Foreign and Commonwealth Office advice and the quarantine on return, making life a little bit difficult. But we have the infrastructure, we have the experience, and we've learned a few new tricks as well, have we not, Nick, in our coverage of, of uh, sim racing and virtual racing down through the years, and we've refined even some of those in the last eight or ten weeks too. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, I have a number of setup tips for the Mercedes AMG drivers now, so that's the key point. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's been an interesting <laughs> learning process. You know, you know, we, we we all need to you know react to the changes in in what's happened, and we see you know, no 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 more so here than than Creventic, who've come up with with new pit regulations and everything else. But we've obviously got to see a lot of drivers and a lot of sim racers coming up against each other. We've got to see a lot of people trying things new and 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 putting their their skills to action in different formats. And now those who've managed to stay sharp get a chance to put it back out on the track again. Oh, loving the look of the Speed Lover Porsche Cup car number 978 uh, Gavin Pickering just gone back out in that car with the red white and blue flash down the side meantime into the pit lane the 92 that's the Herbeth car with the green flash on the bottom and the darker coloured rims at the moment and that is yep that's another set of new Herbeth at uh, new Herbeth new Herbeth tyres new hand kick tyres going on to that car which is now uh, in third position, Smarto Seafried staying in that car. So maybe a little run on slightly worn tyres for Marco. And he's been given certainly a new set of fronts. And it sounds to me in the background, yeah, the set, there's a new yeah. set of rears going on there as well. Uh, hello to Eric Corrigan. And uh, he said, I'd just like to th say thank you for the enthusiasm, professionalism and genuineness with which you have approached sim racing. You guys absolutely do it justice. It's a pleasure hearing you call virtual racers. Uh, the cars aren't real, but the racing are, is. Well, that's exactly how we feel about it, Eric. Uh, and certainly the dedication, the professionalism and the talent has to be respected. So thank you. He says you make us feel that. And whilst we're on that, hello to Drew Adamson. Hi, so, Drew. <laughs> that, that's, Hi, Drew. He's got your details. It's fine. Drew Adamson from iRacing said, so hang on a second. This is live and not out of my studio at Boston. That feels really weird. Drew Adamson is one of the, of the very clever and dedicated bods who uh, has been behind a lot of the iRacing that we've been involved with out of Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, put together the IMSA iRacing Pro Series. We crowned a new champion, or we crowned a champion for that last night. I'm not going to uh, spoil that if you didn't see it. The archive is on radio-show.co.uk. It was a stunning 90-minute contest. It's worth watching. Uh, there was plenty of drama right from the drop of the green flag. That's all I'm going to say uh, about that. Drew, uh, thanks for, for dropping in this afternoon, as it is where uh, you are. I wish you a good weekend and all the best for you and your good lady shit. Hope everything's going to be all right. Keep us in the loop, won't we? we? And we must have, at the end of all this, an opportunity to... Do a little more than bump virtual elbows and uh, maybe have an adult bread beverage or several somewhere at a racetrack in North America, perhaps towards the end of the season or early next year. And thank you again, Drew, for all your hard work.
978 going by Jet saying loving the sound uh, of that Porsche you really hear that the bed's a bit quiet though isn't it certainly is just has that low thrum that low uh, thrum Jose, Jose Monroe has now set a time in the Park Alaga Park Algar sorry Park Algar racing team uh, Silver 412 56 so he's actually three seconds slower than Nico Verdon in the other GT4 the orange um, Aston Martin but I get the impression that they've been using this session as a rather than the qualifying as another chance to do some testing yeah um, they were inning and outing for a while and now I think he's, he's going to go for a little run do you remember the... Nick when we were at Navarra was that last year or was that the year before now the year before I'm afraid is it really oh my goodness <laughs> yes. me we yeah. must get down there on the motorbikes at some stage I really want to do uh, that's part of the world on the bike do you remember um, how difficult that GT that new GT4 uh, the, the team had down there was for them to get a balance on that Mercedes. When it did... Yeah, was a, yes, I remember that. It was a 278 team, wasn't it? Or a 4718 team. They, 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 they just couldn't get the thing to work at all, could they? Yes. I, I just wonder if they're having a similar problem. Once it's dialed in, it's a lovely platform. But I, I wonder if they're just getting themselves comfortable, scrubbing a few tyres in. It looks almost showroom stock. There's a little bit of signage on that car but the tiny rear that sort of uh, half moon or not even a half moon a sort of sliver of the moon an uh, ellipse yeah an ellipse thank you uh, part of a cord uh, part of the rear wing with that to curve right around it lovely place to be inside with the gt3 style batmobile bow tie if you will steering wheel with the big three-pointed star on it uh, still uh, the digital dashboard which comes straight out the gt3 although the rest of the uh, switches look a bit more road car like but you've still got 10 position traction and abs switches on a gt4 car in the center console there it's just, it, as Nick said earlier on, it's just the lack of aerodynamic appendages that make that car look a little more showroom stock. But, I mean, that the, it hauls. It's got a good donkey in the front, and, and, and the, the, the old thing does motor on a bit. Yeah, I mean, especially since it's in, uh, you know, resale silver, which, as every uh, you know, German <laughs> car was from around 2000 to about 2008. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it very much is someone, you know, I've taken out the show with me, I've put the optional AMG wing on and we've slapped some stickers and let's go. But obviously, as you pointed out, there was a fantastic brake and suspension package on there. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's always, I don't know, it, sometimes it's always nice to see a bit of showroom stockage knocking about, isn't it? It's kind of a, a, appeals to you. Yeah, you get to see these bewinged hyper machines. I have to be honest, with those yellow wheels, that car is screaming scale electrics to me. Absolutely. <laughs> do, you not, do you not agree? Because that's the sort yeah. of thing, you know, yellow wheels. Oh, I'll, I'll, change, I'll change the axles, but the yellow wheels on that one, that's always great, that was. When you had the cars, you could mix and match those all those years ago. But, uh, yeah, but he's obviously a little bit faster than scale electric. He's stuck to a groove in the middle of the track. And Dan Alleman uh, isn't really troubling the scorers at the moment too much, but uh, he's obviously getting some, some fast running time in there. Phillips still leading in the pits. Dan Alleman on screen currently in second, and Marcus Segre third, so it's 84-91-92 in GT3. Uh, Jochen Bleekemann is in the car, but I don't think he's at the time for the 991 pole car, which is the 921 machine of Milner Motorsport from Speed Lover. 
Um, the gap being 1.4 seconds. GG4 cars together. Jose Monroy has now closed the gap to just 0.8 of a second behind Nico Verdon. So it's Aston from Mercedes. And the final subclass is the Cayman GT4 in which Daniel Schwerfeld uh, in the 4-2-1 Mulder Motorsport car has a 5-second lead, 4.4-second lead over Jose Costa. Uh, who is in the uh, 408 machine. So it's quite uh, those, so motorsport. Of course, have the older car as well. So I'm not quite sure, John. You might have better knowledge of me about the evolution of the Caymans. Was there a big difference between the two, between the two generations? Body, body shape, mainly. Um, the, the 718 was the four-cylinder road car until relatively recently, but still got exactly the same flat-six engine as the previous uh, 981 model, which at that time was the quote-unquote last of the six-cylinder road-going cars. That's that's the same iteration from uh, up to 2015, yeah, end of 2015, beginning of 2016, I think, that Eve's Boxster is. So that's the same That's the same sort of era. When the 718 came in, that was the four-cylinder car, um, and there were some detailed changes around the bodywork, the headlights, the rear lights were slightly different. Um, the strip across the back was slightly different. But underneath the club sport was pretty much the same. They'd learned a little bit. They messed about with the fuel filler, which was, was um, a real issue with the uh, the previous version of that car. It took an awful long time sometimes to fuel those cars. So they did a bit of work there with the, the fuel fillers. But effectively, it was a different skin. The, the drive line, very, I mean, not just very much the same actually the engines exactly the same so uh, you know it just uh, the newer body shape uh, to reflect the marketing aims there is a new uh, Porsche Sprint Championship about to start with the Caymans in the UK this year once we get back to to racing and uh, that's really interesting and that's the very latest version of the GT4 Club Sport which has actually gone through another uh, iteration uh, on that 718 platform and Porsche is selling quite a lot of those cars and that will also form the basis of the Sprint Championship East and West Coast versions in the United States uh, as well and I'm really quite interested in that UK version because I'm desperate to get them to put a a journal car in so I can get a race in it and then get me set of Porsche overalls to go with me Aston Martin once you say this qualifying might not be over because uh, Marco Seafried firstly he's already leapfrog leapfrog leapt over Daniel Allerman into second he's just set a purple sector sector one um, in in his attempt to chase after Phil Ellis unfortunately he's backed it up with a uh, uh, not even a personal best, but still under the 32 is quite That's quick. That's not there, bad. 32-32 is, is the score in those first two sectors you want to have a chance. But he's going to need to be pretty quick in the third one to clip uh, Philippe Ellis, who's back out again, probably in a defensive measure against Marco's uh, uh, attempt to take pole from him. But uh, Marco there um, is about to finish that lap, and he will certainly he should improve his time. But whether he'll get up to... Uh, Phil, who's actually, and he doesn't, in fact, he, he just mixes off. So he stays uh, about two tenths off. So it's yeah. currently one Here's, another, here's Phil Ellis on another quick one. He's feeling the heat. He's only a tenth and a half ahead now. Personal best for the Park Algar racing team. Josie Monroy uh, has gone down to a 154.076 under 155. He'd be quite happy with that. He's still in second position in the GT4 
category, but now only three tenths of a second behind Nico Verdonk. You'll take that. Three seconds off Nico yeah. Verdonk's start. Three tenths of a second. Absolutely take that. 32.8 in the middle part of the track for Phil Ellis in the dark grey and green. HTP Windward Motorsport AMG GT3. He's looking good and tidy. Clear track here uh, for that number 84 car. Nick Dearman has bet the house on it, of course. <clears throat> Well, someone's house, not mine. Really? Uh, <laughs> Hello from Green Bay, Wisconsin, says Jeff Rowe. Uh, so pleased to hear the 24 series running in the very, very real world. Sad to see that the uh, CP Racing guys can't get there at the moment. No, not able to travel, of course. Uh, they'd have to have been in quarantine both ways, I would have thought, to, to get out here. Um, and... Pete Chambers due to do the Porsche Sprint Challenge GB. That takes us back a little bit, doesn't it, Josh Barrett? Thank you for tweeting that as RSL underscore studio. That was, he was a pre-Carrera Cup racer in the UK. PS, he said, great to have some real full metal racing back. Uh, thank you for all the kind words about me using full metal. Bruce Jones came up with that. I'm very happy to give him credit. Very happy indeed to give him credit for that. 143.8. Another new fastest lap for Phil Ellis last time around. Well done, Philip. And HTP wind would stretch out to fully, well, nearly three-tenths of a second. Yes, it was Bruce Jones that came up with full metal racing, and I did say I was going to steal it. Uh, and it, it just it perfectly describes what we're talking about. But whether we are doing scale racing, one-to-one full metal or virtual, hopefully we attack it with the same exuberance and try and bring out as much as we can of the nuances of what's going on. This is a circuit that has plenty of those, Nick Damon, oh, yeah. whether it's in virtual or the real world. Yeah, well, this is that you end up. I've, I've also been chatting about it. I've ended up being kind of mesmerised and watching the car going up, uphill and down, down. It's one of those weird <laughs> situations. That currently, all right, we don't, we don't have a full... 55 camera setup but it, the, these long shots really do enable you to get a full idea which you don't normally get of the elevation changes you, yeah. I don't, you can actually see the uphill you can see that he's plunging down behind a, another hillock um in fact it's only himself and uh jose costa in the last place cayman who are currently out on the track the other seven in the middle of all uh, parked up probably for the end now with two minutes and 10 seconds of, uh, of qualifying to go uh over that time again Again, he had the fastest overall sector in sector three, but just didn't beat his best time, did he? He fell by all oh, seven hundred of a second. So Personal now, like, best and a fastest. Yeah, it was the middle sector that quote unquote let him down. Yes, oh, what an underachiever! Mm. Yeah, dropping it by a whole three seven hundred of a second. Yeah, I mean they, they've not just done one fastest lap; they've done I think four fastest laps. But Marcus Seifried made it interesting there. He wasn't prepared to take it lying down in the ninety-two Herbert and, and Danny Alleman in the 91 has, has, has managed to, to prove me right that A, they weren't going to get pole and B, they don't care. Um, well, 24 any hour team, race. Any team that's about 24 hour race, of course, it is uh, the Herbert team. They are the ones who are absolutely the masters of playing every element. But of course, one of the things about John having a smaller field is we're probably, well, almost certainly going to have less code 60. So there's, no, there's going to be point. a lot more flat out going for it and a lot less let's think about when the next time we have to slow down is. And if you do lose time in the pits, that is going to be really hard to get back if you you know, can't play with when you fuel and things like that. Phil Ellis is out of the uh, is off the throttle and touring back in time. It will elapse in 55-0 seconds. Uh, the, Marcus Super did 
get down to about a tenth and a half away from pole position uh, in the battle that he was having. And Veloso Motorsport and Josie Costa in the Cayman. You know, 15 seconds away in qualifying here for the from the slowest to the fastest. That's still going to make things interesting in terms of closing speeds and laps. Uh, and I think that's very, it's going to be very interesting here. But I take your point, Nick, that, you know, you're gonna, we're going to have a race here. It only takes two cars to make a race. I think back to the 24 hours of Barcelona last year when the top two cars, the Barwell car, which eventually came out on top, and one of the Herbeth Porsches, I don't think, other than fuel stops, they were more than about a minute and a half apart for the whole race. Might have been even less than that. Provisionally on pole position, the Tecumet sponsored number 84. That is the Mercedes-AMG GT3 of HTP Winwood Motorsport, the European arm of Winwood. They're still plying their trade in the States, or at least will be when we get back to racing there. We normally find those guys in the pilot challenge in the US. And congratulations to Philip Ellis from the team. Pilot Challenge, by the way, back on track in July at Sebring. And that's a Friday afternoon race, American time. So, um, of course, uh, IMSA Radio, IMSA TV bringing that to you. Before that, 4th of July weekend, uh, we've got the opening WeatherTech sports car racing sound and vision for you as well for the international audience. And just, in fact, putting some details together today with the good folks at uh, Daytona for that opening Saturday evening race. Really harking back to the Paul Revere 250 that I saw a few years ago. Mercedes tops the pile ahead of four Porsches. HTP Winwood Rope Motorsport and Phil Ellis has taken pole position ahead of Herbert's number 92. It was Marcus Seyfried who got within a couple of tenths, nearly three tenths at the end there. Daniel Alleman uh, and the Herbert number 91. I don't think it was uh, Daniel that did the time on that car. I think it was Alfred Renau, wasn't it, who put the time in in the 91. They'll start on the inside of row two. The best of the 991s is the Mulder Motorsport. Jaron Blake and Morland. Porsche, that's the 921 speed lover. Gavin Pickering, give him a run for his money as well. He'll start in fifth. Sixth is the pole for Pro Sport Racing. Nico Verdonk, just three tenths away from Josie Monroy in the Mercedes. Aston versus Mercedes there uh, in sixth and seventh position. Then the two Caymans, uh, Mulder and Veloso Motorsport. And early on, of course, we had the TCE, the touring car endurance part uh, of qualifying. And that was the 101. Rick Broikers for uh, Red Camel Dashdon.nl taking pole position. That's how they'll line up tomorrow. Uh, if you want to follow along in timing, there will be live timing for the night practice, although we're going to. We're going to step away for that one. And Nick and Johnny will be back tomorrow morning. Looking forward to it, Nick. Can't wait, can't wait, can't wait, can't wait. We're getting racing. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be very, very exciting. I, I think yeah, what we've got is we have four perfectly formed classes. And the, if you look at the, you know, there was, no, there was huge competition in just by looking at the qualifying in GT3, in 991, in GT4 and in TCR. Perhaps the Caymans are further away than you think, but it may be that perhaps that Portuguese Cayman didn't show its full hand today. But it's going to be 
really it's really it's like it's like the first day of school isn't it we're back <laughs> yes we are uh 11:45 CET uh that's 10:45 UK for the video stream uh, coming uh, online and Nick and Johnny will be on air uh, sometime uh, around the Uh, oh, CET, not CEST, excuse me. That is 11.45, quarter to midday UK as well. Uh, Johnny and Nick will take you through the opening hours of that on RS3 and in sound and vision at radio-show.co.uk. For all of the details and a whole host of information, <laughs> uh, go to www.24hseries.com. Thanks to Nick Damon uh, and to Tim Gray from the RSL side of things, the responsible adult uh, oversaw all of us as well. Sebastian and the team from Nullsweizwei Eins at the track and Ulf who worked his magic on the magic box and also of course to all of the Creventic crew including uh, Peter and Ola who did sterling work down in the pit lane with our, uh, with our interviews earlier on and most especially to the teams and drivers who've made the effort to be there and to you who've tweeted in at RSL underscore studio. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. It's a big day tomorrow. Check the website for all the details. Lots of racing and it's back. We fired the engines. You can almost smell the hot brakes and the clutches. And we've got a 24-hour race for you. Live in sound and vision tomorrow. Bye-bye. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.